This Rarecast is made possible by Global Genes, a leading education and advocacy organization that serves and promotes the needs of patients and families touched by rare and genetic disease. Since 2009, Global Genes has been building awareness, developing patient-focused education and advocacy tools, and funding patient care programs and critical research. To learn more, go to globalgenes.org. I'm Daniel Levine, and this is Rarecast. Genetic counselors play a unique role in the medical life of a person with a rare disease. They can serve as guide, translator, and trusted advisor. In this first part of our four-part series on gene therapies, we spoke to genetic counselor Stephanie Gandomi, a global genes advocacy resource, about gene therapies, the role genetic counselors play in working with rare disease patients, and the types of considerations rare disease patients may consider about whether to pursue a gene therapy through a clinical trial. Stephanie, thanks for joining us. Hi, thank you so much for having me. We're going to talk about gene therapy, what it is, and and how patients should think about it. There are a growing number of genetic medicines that are being developed to treat genetic diseases. How broadly is the term gene therapy used, and, and what does it include? Yeah, that's a great question. So gene therapy is an emerging area of genetics, and in especially on the treatment area, uh, you know, arena. Uh, it's it's a term that I think people are still trying to wrap their heads around somewhat. You know, it's so new. Um, it really wasn't a part of our practice, you know, decades ago. So it's exciting, but we also have to kind of understand what it means and what it means to patient care. Um, I can imagine for patients trying to navigate gene therapies, that term is is some is tossed around sometimes a little bit broadly, uh, and probably where there may be sometimes confusion is that there are treatments that are emerging for genetic diseases, but not all of those treatments are considered gene therapies. Gene therapies are very specific to treatments that are designed to actually interact with the affected gene itself. So there are some nuances that can sometimes be challenging for, for patients to understand why, which is important, you know, why it's important to actually spend time working with a healthcare provider that understands these. What is a gene therapy and how does it work? Yeah. So a gene therapy itself is, um, you know, a form of treatment. And that, that treatment is when the the target is not necessarily the actual symptoms of the of the patient but rather the genetic material so often by using a virus um, or some kind of vector there the treatment is trying to introduce you know sort of laboratory modified or, or created dna that can somehow interact with the person's gene and change that genetic material to help that gene function more appropriately. 
So, so we have genes in our bodies that create proteins. And when our gene isn't working, that gene will produce an abnormal protein. So by trying to introduce this genetic material into the gene to make that change, the hope is that then it will start fun- creating a more functional protein, which will in turn either help you know, alleviate the, the patient's symptoms and hopefully be a cure. People in the patient community often talk of gene therapies as cures, although developers tend to be careful about using that term. What's the goal of gene therapy and should it be thought of as providing a cure? That's a great question. I think, you know, families, especially in, in patients that have genetic diseases, we really would love to find a cure, an answer. Um, and I think that the hope is that gene therapies are really going to be that promise to, to in time, provide cures for genetic disorders. But, you know, for now, the, the, the challenge is that they're just so new, right? They're, they're emerging. And, and often when patients are identified, you know, the, the disease may have already progressed. So I think we still have a little ways to go um, before we could maybe call them a, a true cure. Uh, but it, it's very hopeful, very, we're very optimistic. And, um, and I, I think with long-term data, more, more evidence, um, and, you know, trying to also ascertain more, you know, members of certain disease communities, right? So, so right now, a lot of disorders that are being studied are considered rare disease where there are just a few affected members. But if, if we can identify more, more individuals with those disorders and then apply the, the treatments and, and really study everything, then I think that we get closer and closer each day to finding those cures. Many rare diseases are progressive. To what extent do the benefits of a gene therapy depend on when a patient is treated in the progression of their disease? I think it depends a lot on on the disease itself. Um, you know how severe it is when it when it begins, when the age of onset is, um, what parts of the body are affected. Obviously, these the earlier you you identify a person's diagnosis and the underlying cause of the disorder and apply treatment. You know, often that's that's better, right? And that's generally how how treatments work. Um, I, I think there's still a lot to be learned in regards to gene therapies and what their, you know, long term potential are, especially like in rare diseases. Uh, but but you know, I think it, it, for now we're hopeful that we can we can get what therapies, especially gene therapies, the few that exist on the market to to patients and their families as quickly as possible. There's a rich and growing pipeline of gene therapies. It's not yet an option, though, for most genetic diseases. If it's available to a patient, it would likely be in the form of a clinical trial today. What consideration should people have in making a decision of whether or not to participate in a gene therapy clinical mm-hmm. trial? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a big decision, right? And so, and I and I think it's a very individual decision, both for the patient and their family, um, to, to enter into to clinical trials. Uh, a lot of gene therapies and, and even therapies as a whole that are applied to genetic diseases are often still in their emerging 
you know, early stages. Uh, data is often very new. And so it's, it's one, it's a process that requires informed consent. Um, I think shared decision-making is really critical. A lot of, you know, education, understanding of what, you know, a family and a patient especially may be getting into. Um, I think it's also important to understand a trial is a trial. Um, There's no guarantees. Um, But that's also true for a lot of approved treatments. And with gene therapies being so new, we just, you know, can't always promise positive outcomes. Now, with that said, if you have families and patients who are really looking for their, you know, they've been through just a series of, of different treatment options and nothing is working effectively, they may be, you know, have a little bit of higher threshold for risk. And if they're willing to enter into a trial and they have had full, you know, counseling and informed consent, it may be, uh, um, you know, a last resort, but it may be a, a risk they're willing to take. And and sometimes those, those pay off. So it, it's, it's, again, it's a very individualized decision, but one that requires counseling and, and consent. Any treatment carries risk, but are there particular risks people should be concerned about with regards to gene therapies? I think some of the known risks that have been already um, addressed, you know, in the media and and also in in scientific literature, is, are significantly around the risks associated with getting that DNA to the affected gene through through a, a vector, often like a virus. So there can be risks of toxicity or, you know, inflammation. There can be some side effects with that process. Um, sometimes I, I've read that there are even risks of, you know, side effects that can can be as severe as, as cancer, right? So, I, I, again, I think it has a lot to do with the fact that this technology is very new. Um, luckily, you know, there there's FDA approval that goes into this process or our trials and you know, just a lot of data analysis. So part of that process of getting a gene therapy into, you know, mainstream active practice is to have those risks assessed in those trials. And I think that that's something that is still emerging, especially if this is, these are newer technologies, we don't always have all of the potential short-term and long-term risks defined um, because some of that will have to unveil itself over time. Long before a patient is likely to even consider a gene therapy, they're likely to encounter and work with a genetic counselor, probably in the process of getting a diagnosis. How does a genetic counselor work with rare disease patients and their families? Yeah, so genetic counselors are um, are individuals who are trained specifically in genetics and um, are experts in genetic disorders. So genetic counselors are really excellent resources, especially for families with um, you know in their patient patients and family members who are in the rare disease community. A genetic counselor um, often you know, in kind of a traditional counseling setting, will assess um, a family history, uh, diagnostic 
you know, options, risks associated with that. There will be a lot of shared decision-making conversations that will take place. They'll address the psychosocial aspects, right? We talked about how gene therapies are, are an individual decision. Um, and then, and so they'll have that conversation with the patient and the family, um, as well as also working very closely in conjunction with the, the family's you know, healthcare team and the, the patient's healthcare team. So they're just such a great ally and a great resource and can often really support that informed consent um, process that, that should be taking place. What role do genetic counselors play in the ongoing care of a patient with a rare disease? Are they in regular contact with patients as they progress? Absolutely. They can be not only functioning, you know, in a very significant and an important role on the front end with the decision-making and the consenting and the actual testing, you know, process, but they can also play a very significant role on the, at the other end where if a patient has testing, um, they can help the family and the patient understand the results they can help with triaging uh, for needs if there are other specialists that need to be involved, um, and especially if there are effective treatments and clinical trials and other, you know, available opportunities for, for that patient to get some case management support. Um, that, that's, those are all areas that genetic counselors are, are experts in and, and can be a great resource. Should Patients consult a genetic counselor about whether to seek a, a gene therapy or participate in a clinical trial? Yeah, I, I really think that genetic counselors can, can serve as a great resource, um, especially since their expertise is specific to genetic disorders. Um, some clinics may have genetic counselors as part of that, that process, especially in the informed consent area of, of getting a patient into treatment. Um, but I, I think it doesn't hurt ever to have a good conversation with a genetic counselor, even if, if, if that conversation is more emotional than even medical. Gen counselors can provide so many different opportunities for patients and their families to look at their, their options from different angles. So I, absolutely, there's so much value in including a gen counselor in that mix. The overwhelming majority of rare diseases don't have an approved therapy, but one of the interesting things we're seeing is the development of gene therapies are coming in indications where there already exist therapeutic options. This may be true for things like an enzyme replacement therapy or hemophilia where a factor replacement is given or even in an extreme example, SMA, where there's an antisense therapy and now on oral medication as well. How would patients who had options work through those treatment choices and, and weigh gene therapy? Yeah, I think um, having a genetic counselor involved in that decision-making process is a really great start because they often have knowledge both in the specific disease um, that the patient may have as well as what treatment options may be available. If a particular disorder has both, let's say, an enzyme replacement therapy, but then there's also an emerging or an on-the-market gene therapy, let's, let's just 
say that for argument's sake, right? Then the the genetic counselor can walk that patient through that shared decision-making process to identify which option may be better. Um, they can actually also either order appropriate testing because some gene therapies are very specific to specific, specific changes in the gene. So just because someone has a, a condition doesn't necessarily mean they're going to qualify for a specific gene therapy if their mutation or their gene change is outside of the scope of that gene therapy's effectiveness. Um, and so I think that, uh, you know, having a genetic counselor involved in that can help with really weighing all the risks and benefits of all the different options. Um, and of course, then even when a, a, the best possible option is selected, being able to have the conversation about the short-term and long-term risks for, for the patient's care is really critical too. It's still early days for gene therapies. How hopeful are you about this being a reliable option for rare disease patients? And given the speed with which many of these diseases may progress, is this something that will be within reach for most patients today? You know, it's, it's always hard to predict the future. Um, so we don't know what's coming over the next five to 10 years, but one thing I can say, having worked in this field myself for quite some time, it's just incredible to see how much progress we've made in, in such a short span, um, you know, over the last 5, 10, 15 years. And just the fact that we're even having these conversations today is so promising. It's just so, much, so optimistic. Um, I am really hopeful that we continue to see this, this level of rapid progression and we just continue to see, you know, trials emerging and in these therapies coming to market. Um, because, you know, for for decades, the focus has really been on diagnosing rare disease patients and, and really trying to identify what the underlying cause of their symptoms are. Now to be able to have conversations about what is ha going to happen in the future and potentially even getting closer each day to a cure is just so exciting. And it's, it's going to be life-changing for the rare disease community. Stephanie Gandomi, genetic counselor and advocacy resource for Global Genes. Stephanie, thanks so much for your time today. Thank you. Have a great day. Thanks for listening. For more information about rare disease and to connect to the rare disease community, go to globalgenes.org. To keep up on the latest news and trends affecting the rare disease community, be sure to visit raredaily.org. You can subscribe to the Rarecast RSS feed through raredaily.org or through SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast manager. The Rarecast is produced for Global Genes by the Levine Media Group. You can also find our podcast, The Bio Report, on these popular podcast sites. Our theme music is composed by Jonah Levine and performed by the Jonah Levine Collective. We'd love to hear from you. Drop us a note at danny at levinemediagroup.com.